For we walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5.7 Today, Lord, I am asking you to enlarge my vision. Help me to dream the dreams you have for me. Big dreams. Show me the potential and the possibilities, the opportunities. With you there are no limits and no boundaries. Nothing is impossible for me. Increase my faith, Lord, and let that faith open all kinds of doors for me. It's true that I don't always know where you're going. I can't always see the path in front of me. But I know that you are leading me and guiding me every step of the way. You're the one who called me on this journey. It's your voice that I choose to listen to. It's your direction that I choose to follow today. I know you will protect me and provide for me. I know you will bring me to a glorious new place, a place of freedom, a place of victory, a place of destiny. I decree and declare that the best days of my life are not behind me. The best days are now and ahead of me. Your word says that you have so many good things in store for me, and I have faith that your word is true. So I walk boldly and confidently into the next season of my life, my work, my family, and my ministry. I entrust it all to you, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stay tuned to immerse yourself in the greatest stories ever told from Pray.com's podcast, Heroes in the Bible. Hello, my name is Matthew Potter, co-founder of Pray.com. And before we start today's episode of Heroes in the Bible, I wanted to ask, do you know what your bank does with your money? At America's Christian Credit Union, your everyday banking helps grow churches, expand the reach of missions agencies, and supports fellow believers across the country. Learn more about specials for switching to ACCU and their nationwide banking capabilities at americaschristiancu.com forward slash pray. Plus, the peace of mind knowing that this credit union is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration. Hi, I'm Dr. Tony Evans. I'm excited for you to join me in this series. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Apple or Spotify so that you get the newest episodes right as they come out. Welcome to the Epic Adventure of David, a story of honor, battle, jealousy, darkness, friendship, love, scandal, and murder. While most people know of David the myth, few know about David the man. This story is the tale of two souls. The prelude to this episode features Saul of Tarshish before he becomes Paul the Apostle, as well as King Saul of the tribe of Benjamin. But that's not the only reason it's a tale of two Sauls. We see two different King Sauls in this episode. One is the paranoid tyrant we have come to loathe, and the other is a sober-minded father finally coming to his senses. This episode highlights Saul's inner turmoil and the power forgiveness has over one's mind. This episode also features David and a difficult choice set before him. He could put an end to his misery and kill the king or prolong his suffering and show him mercy. The answer would be clear to any other man. Kill Saul, but not David. 
He does not see the world like other tyrants and men of conquest. Our hero is not a hammer who only sees nails to be struck. We must not forget David is both fierce and tenderhearted. He is ruthless in battle, but sensitive to the heart of God. He does not tread the easy path of revenge as you and I would. He takes the high road even at his own expense. Pay close attention to David's words in this episode. He clings to his conviction even when pressured to do otherwise. We can learn a lot from his integrity and commitment to his values. His mercy transforms Saul even for a brief moment in time. Our prelude will feature another Saul who by the mercy of Jesus Christ went through his own transformation. Get ready for a heartfelt episode with their foreboding title, Slit His Throat. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Prelude to Chapter 12 Imprisonment and Death to the Church of Jesus That was the obsession of Saul's heart. As a Pharisee, Saul was filled with zealous rage against the followers of Jesus. The disciples had become an affront to his way of life and a threat to the religious leader's power. The temple judge put pen to parchment, giving him complete authority to drag any man, woman, or child who proclaimed the name of Jesus into the city streets and end them. The letters were his license to kill. He took those letters and left the temple, hell-bent on rounding up Christians like lambs to the slaughter. He mounted his horse and traveled to Damascus. Obsessive passion drove Saul forward. He rode through the night, anxious to destroy the work of the gospel. Saul rode with dynamic fury, and the dim lights of Damascus were coming into view. Then, out of the night, a burst of light broke forth, sending Saul onto his back. He was blinded by the light, unable to see in front of him. He was caught up in a whirlwind of holiness. From the radiant light, a voice spoke forth. Saul, Saul, the voice said. Why are you persecuting me? The Pharisee was frantic and afraid. He could not see anything. His voice trembled in panic. Who are you? It is I, Jesus, the one whom you have persecuted. Why are you kicking against the goads? Why do you deny who I have called you to be? 
Saul was on his knees, taking in the majesty before him. It was an experience unlike anything he had ever seen or heard. The men who were behind Saul could hear the voice, but they did not see the brilliance of Jesus as Saul did. Then, as quickly as the light came, it vanished. Saul opened his eyes to nothing but darkness. He was completely blind. He was undone and confused. The men who were traveling with him picked him up and carried him to Damascus. There, he laid in bed for three days, unable to answer the questions reeling in his mind. It was maddening. He hated Jesus. He hated the message of Jesus, yet he could not deny what he had seen and heard. Saul sat in a room, contemplating all the ways he had failed to understand what God was doing. When he heard the door creak open, Saul turned and panicked. Who is there? He asked. Please, do not hurt me. I am not here to hurt you, the voice said. I am Ananias, and Jesus sent me to heal you. Saul pushed away and shook his head. After all I have done, do I deserve to be healed? It is not a matter of deserving, my friend, Ananias said. He stretched out his hands and laid them on Saul's eyes. He prayed for him, and slowly, Saul's sight was restored to him. It was as if scales were peeling away from Saul's eyes, and he could see the truth of what God was truly doing. He understood who Jesus was. Saul was eventually baptized and would go on to be a force for good. God would mold and shape him into a leader to the Gentiles, preaching the gospel to many nations and peoples. Saul would eventually be named Paul and go on to be one of the greatest leaders the Church of Jesus has ever seen. Chapter 12 Slit His Throat There would be no rest until his head was resting on the end of his spear. King Saul refused to end his search for David, even if it meant abandoning all reason. He and his army had searched tirelessly for days, upheaving every town and city they entered. Saul's maddened search for David left the nation vulnerable to attack, so Jonathan was left to keep watch over the kingdom while Saul sought out the object of his obsession. The men questioned their king's sanity as he paced at night tormented by paranoid conspiracies. King Saul had given in to a dark insanity that he could not get out of. The king and his army marched against the city of Kala in hopes to find him. But the Lord had provided warning to David and his men. They fled for the wilderness of Ziph. However, Saul had a vast amount of power and resources. He sent his scouts to search out the entire land for signs of David and his army. All signs pointed toward Ziph, so Saul marched forward, ransacking every village along the way and questioning them about his whereabouts. The paranoid king refused to end his search. Like a dog fixated on a bone, Saul remained focused on finding David. At the end of the week, Saul and his army were remaining in the city of Ziph, hosted by the elders and nobles. The elders were intimidated by Saul's presence. They could see in his eyes the potential for a great amount of evil. He was a king they did not desire to cross. So they gave David up. As Saul dined with his commanders and the elders, the meal was modest by Saul's standards, but the best Ziph had to offer on such short notice. One of them leaned over to him and said, We caught glimpses of the traitor you're looking for, my king. The entire dining hall fell silent. Saul stopped eating mid-bite and grabbed the garment of the elder. He pulled him in violently and brought him close. 
Tell me now. The elder cleared his throat and laughed <laughs> nervously. <laughs> we have it on strong authority that he and his men are hiding in the caves beyond the woods, near the hill of Hakila. They are deep and wide caves, large enough to host an army of his size. Where are these caves? Saul asked shortly. South of Jeshimon, the man said. All you have to do is be ready. We will serve him up to you. We can find his exact location. Saul Scowl quickly turned into a <laughs> beaming smile. He laughed and slammed his fist against the table. The entire thing shook, and cups of wine spilled onto the floor. Blessed are you, he shouted. <laughs> ah, finally, someone has compassion on this old and weary king. The man in attendance laughed. Saul released the man from his grip and patted him on the back. Please, go and find that exact location. See where he is hiding out. But be careful. He is crafty and escapes like a demon into the night. Look for the lurking places. No doubt he will be hiding like a rat in a hole. The man did as he was told. The elders sent out some of their herders as spies in the wilderness. They combed the forests and caves for signs of David. Then in the distance, they could see the flickering lights of their camp. They finally knew exactly where David was hiding. They returned immediately to tell Saul of what they found. David sat outside the caves admiring the sunset. Splashes of red and orange painted the skies. David loved the chaotic beauty of the sky. Its color seemed to have no order or direction, yet every splash of red or orange to the clouds seemed intentional, like the brushstrokes of an artist. God's magnificence was put on display before him, and he could not help but awe at his handiwork. The heavens declare the glory of God, David sang to himself. The firmament shows his handiwork. He smiled and soaked in every last moment of the sunset. When the sun was out of view beyond the horizon, David stepped back into the caves. His men were preparing their beds for the night. Another night of sleeping in a cold, jagged cave. David shook his head. He hoped for better. His men deserved it after their heroic deeds in Kayla. There were several fires lit within the cave, each hosting ten to fifteen men around it. David went to each camp, encouraging his men not to lose heart. He reassured them that God would be faithful and good to those who loved him. He made his way back to the mouth of the cave, where Benaiah was standing watch. Any signs of trouble? David asked. Benaiah shrugged and shook his head. I have only seen shepherds and cattle herders passing by, he said with a grin. So far it does not seem like Saul knows where we are, but we could never be too careful. Jashubim and a few other men will be taking the first shift to ensure we are protected. God has a great calling on your life, Benaiah, David said with a smile. Thank you for protecting us. Benaiah blushed and shook off the compliment. However, David meant what he said. Benaiah had the heart of a guardian, and David took note of it. He left the mouth of the cave and retreated back. The fires made the entire inside warm. David tucked himself in towards the end of the cave. He closed his eyes, trying to remember the image of that breathtaking sunset. The night drew on, and the only sounds were of crackling fire and snoring. David was sound asleep, dreaming of his wife back home. A shadow was cast on David as a hooded figure stood above him. 
The heat of the fire was blocked for a moment, and it was enough to make David awake. He drew his sword and pointed it upward. Who goes there? He said in a panic. David swiped and jumped to his feet. The man stepped back behind the fire and raised his hands in surrender. Now, is that a way to treat a friend? The man said. David knew that voice immediately. He did not need to confirm his suspicions. He dropped his sword and hugged the man with all his might. Oh, oh, how I've missed you, brother, he said with a cracking voice. I am glad you are here, Jonathan. Jonathan (laughs) laughed and removed his hood. I could not risk your men seeing me and killing me on sight. I am the son of a king, after all, he said. The two of them sat down. David drew his dirty hair back. Jonathan had not seen David since he left in exile. David's hair was much longer, and his beard was messy and tangled. You have changed quite a bit, David, Jonathan said lightheartedly. The wilderness suits you. David chuckled and sighed. He gestured to the men sleeping. We have gotten used to it out here, he said. But what we lack in riches... We make up for in heart, as has always been your way, Jonathan replied with a smile. The two of them talked for a while. They spoke of Maycall, the palace, and all that had happened since David left. The light-hearted conversation with his friend was just what David needed. However, he knew Jonathan had come with a purpose. Why have you come here, Jonathan? David asked solemnly. Jonathan sighed and grinned. My father will not stop his search, he said while shaking his head. He is obsessed with finding you, David. It is a madness I have never seen before. His eyes look like they belong to someone else. He's not the Saul I once knew that you once knew. David nodded in agreement. He, too, had not seen Saul since his last attempt on his life. He prayed for him often. Jonathan looked up at David and said, You have no need to fear him. He will not find you. He may try, but the Lord will always protect you. He always has. Jonathan paused for a moment and chuckled to himself. Even with your ragged beard and dusty clothes, you look more like a king than he ever did, David. You came from nothing, yet the Lord chose you to be the king of Israel. You will be king, and I shall be there next to you, fighting by your side for the heart of our country. David nodded and wiped a few tears away from his eyes. It was good to hear Jonathan's encouraging words again. They refreshed his soul like water in a dry desert. Thank you, my brother. You are the kindest man I have ever known. The two of them reaffirmed their covenant with one another, being reminded of their commitment to each other. David was strengthened by Jonathan's words of encouragement. He needed them now more than ever. Jonathan stood to his feet and put his hood back on. Be on guard, David. He warned. My father's men lurk around every corner. I have no doubt he has discovered your whereabouts already. I would move before it's too late. The two embraced, and Jonathan slipped back into the shadows to return to the palace. David rushed to the mouth of the cave where Benaiah and the others were on watch. They peered into the distance, seeing a faint trail of torches coming from the north. It's him, David said. The men responded immediately and woke the others. Every man was ready in a matter of minutes, and the entire company of 600 men retreated from the caves to the other side of the mountain. The sun was rising, and they were losing the covering of night. Shema returned from scouting the perimeter. Saul's army had created three companies to surround the area. They were closing in on them. David began to panic as the men climbed up the mountain to get to the other side. 
They scaled the rocky surface, with gravel and stones falling behind them. They're coming! Shema yelled. They are nearly here! David yelled for the men to quicken their pace up the mountain. On all fours, they climbed up, then slid down the edge of the mountain, throwing themselves over. They tumbled down ungracefully, frantically trying to find a place to hide. David looked down to see Saul and his men emerging from the forest at the base of the hill. He paused and looked down to see the king. He was paralyzed by fear and unable to move. Just as Saul was about to look up the mountain and discover David, Josh Obim reached out from behind David and pulled him over the edge. The two of them tumbled to the ground, then were pulled into the small cave underneath the base on the other end. Saul and his army made their way up the mountain quickly, sensing that David and his men were close. Saul scaled up first, looking for any sign of his prey. He paused at the top of the mountain, looking out over the other side. He knew they were close. He could almost hear the sound of their breathing down below. Saul took a few steps forward and leaned over the edge, looking down to see if he could see anything. Little did he know, David and his men were right under his nose, only a few yards away underneath. Saul gestured for his men to follow him down the mountain. Then, calling out from the bottom of the mountain was one of Saul's servants. My king! My king, I have urgent news! Saul looked down frustrated. What is it? The Philistines have made an attack on Gibeah. They know you and all your army have gone. Saul's eyes widened. A sinking feeling came over him, and he retreated down the hill immediately. He mounted his horse and rode off with all his men. In an instant, over a thousand of David's enemies were gone. The men emerged from their hiding place and laughed. They cheered and hugged one another, thankful that God had spared them, even if it was just for a few more days. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. David led the men to the wilderness of En Gedi. The lush vegetation surrounded by rivers and waterfalls was a pleasant escape from the harsh desert landscape of Mon. The men made a refuge for themselves in the caves beside the river, enjoying fish, fresh fruit, and roots from the forests. The caves were deeper than the others they had resided in, and the men made a camp for themselves a few hundred yards deep. Even if someone were to find the caves, they would never suspect anyone was living in them. The stronghold was deep and winding. However, sunlight made its way through cracks in the ceiling, illuminating the way for those deep inside. Enough time passed for Saul to fend off the Philistine attack and recruit more than 3,000 men to march in search of David. He led them across the wilderness of Mon and over the mountain they had almost captured David. They wandered for days in search of David to no avail. Whatever trail they had was lost with time. 
and Saul grew more and more discouraged. He fell deeper and deeper into his own self-loathing. He hated himself for what he had become, yet he could not help his paranoia. It gripped him like a beast to the throat of its prey. At night, he would lay awake, wrestling with the voices of doubt swirling around in his mind. He was a tormented soul, and he could feel his mind slipping into oblivion. Saul's army camped outside the forest of Engedi. The vibrant green surrounding them was pleasant and peaceful. Saul could feel a pull towards the river for refreshment. He needed to seek time alone to rest and compose himself. I am going to the river to bathe. Do not follow me. I shall be back tonight or tomorrow, the king said to his servants. So he ventured off into the forest, breathing in the fresh air and listening to the gentle babbling of streams nearby. As if he was in a feverish daze, Saul wandered up the river towards the mouth of a large cave. The sun was peeking in through the trees, splashing rays of light down on the water below. Saul removed his clothes and waded into the river. He washed himself and rested on the shore. Even with the cool earth below him and the gentle sunlight above him, his mind was still fogged with paranoia and hatred. It consumed him, even when he did not want it. Saul dressed himself and walked into the mouth of the cave. He rested his back against the wall of the cave and rested his eyes. He allowed his mind to drift and wander. He imagined himself capturing David and dragging him into the streets by his beard. He imagined his spear going straight through his heart. Even in the midst of a peaceful and serene atmosphere, Saul's mind still clung to violence. The king fell asleep there, and the large cave protected him from the evening breeze. He is here, David, whispered Eleazar. David turned his head to see his faithful three behind him. King Saul is asleep at the mouth of the cave. Joshua Beam confirmed. Didn't the Lord tell you he would give the enemy into your hands? This is what he was talking about. God has given you Saul on a silver platter, and you can do with him what you please. David said nothing. He simply stared at the dark curves of the cave leading to the entrance. Shema placed his hand on his shoulder and gestured forward. You can be king, David. All you have to do is kill him before he kills you. Slit his throat, David, Eleazar said. Put an end to this madness once and for all. He placed a dagger in David's hands. He gripped it tight and walked forward toward the mouth of the cave. Kill Saul, David thought to himself. Is it really that simple? David approached the mouth of the cave. Saul was leaning against the wall sound asleep. The light of the late afternoon exposed his aging face. He looked older than David remembered him. It was as if all these months of hatred and jealousy had aged him more rapidly. David stood over the king with the blade in his hands. He was an easy target. It would be nothing for David to cut his throat and be done with the madness. He stood over Saul in the darkness of the cave for a few moments. The echoes of the streams beside the cave bounced off the cave walls. Sweat beat down David's brow as he knelt down and raised the dagger to Saul's throat. Only one slash. That is all it would take. The throne of Israel, the armies of God, and the affection of the people could all be his. All he had to do was press the blade against the king's throat. Quietly, David lowered his blade. He grabbed a part of his robe 
and cut off a small sliver of its edge. He held the small piece of garment in his hand and stood to his feet. His hands were shaking as he looked down at it. Then David left quietly and did not disturb Saul any further. David retreated back deeper into the cave and stopped. He looked down to the piece of Saul's robe in his hands. He gripped it tightly and leaned his head against the cave and wept. He silently sobbed, pounding his fist against his chest. His men walked up to him. Did you do it? They asked. Is the king dead? David held up the piece of Saul's robe. I shall not put my hand against God's anointed. I should not have laid even a finger on him. He is the king of God's people. He does not deserve such a slight against him. A slight against him? Joshua Beam asked. You did not kill him. You didn't even harm him. Look, you trimmed off a piece of his robe. Does this deserve such tears, David? The men were angry. Saul was the reason they were outcasts and on the run. Saul had hunted them and treated them like animals. Yet David refused to kill him. It made them angry. He is God's anointed. David replied aggressively. My tears are for the heart within me that would even consider vengeance. Vengeance is the Lord's. I will not take his life so that I may be elevated. When the men saw David's passion, they ceased their protests. David raised a finger to them and said, I order you to stay away from him. Do not disturb him or lay a hand on him. The men restrained themselves and allowed the king to rest until he awoke later that day. David leaned against the cave walls, looking out at Saul from the shadows. His mind raced with a thousand different reasons to kill him, yet his heart broke for the king. He longed to be in his courts again, playing melodies of hope for his weary soul. King Saul was like a father to him, and it pained him that he even raised a dagger close to him. David watched Saul rise from his slumber and stretch. The king stood up and began walking outside. He knelt down to splash water on his face. As he was kneeling over, David stepped out from the shadows. My lord, king! He shouted. Saul jolted up and drew his sword. You! He yelled with a scowl. Saul shifted his feet and prepared himself to fight. David looked into Saul's eyes. They glared at him with pure and boiling hatred. It was not the gaze of a man questioning his own heart. Saul had determined to kill David. Yet even still, he could not bring himself to fight. David slowly drew his sword from his back and raised it up. Saul gnashed his teeth, bracing himself for an attack. David did not advance. He took his sword and threw it onto the ground in front of Saul. I will not fight you, King Saul he said. His voice was trembling. And why should I trust you? Saul asked. Why should you trust me? David replied. He fell to his knees and stretched out his arms. Who has whispered lies into your ears? Who has told you that I seek to do you harm? David took out the ripped piece of Saul's cloak and showed it to him. Look and see the torn part of your garment. Today the Lord delivered you into my hand in that cave. Some of my men urged me to kill you, yet I restrained myself. I spared you. I showed you a kindness you would not have shown me. Saul could not believe his eyes. 
He had obsessed over a false image of David in his mind for so long, he found it hard to believe he could spare him. Why spare me when I have been hunting you for all this time? Saul asked suspiciously. Why? Because I will not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. I've considered you like a father. Neither rebellion or evil lies within my heart against you. I have done nothing to warrant your hatred. Yet you hunt me like an animal. Saul shook his head. His tormented soul stirred like stormy waters. He found it hard to judge for himself what was real and what was not. David continued his questioning in hopes to win back Saul's heart. I held a blade inches from your throat, but did not take your life. As long as I live, I will not raise a hand against you. As the proverb of the ancients says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked. Look at me, Saul. Am I a wicked man? Who have you spent months pursuing? A dead dog? A flea? Let God be the judge between you and I. David then lowered his face to the ground and pressed his nose against the dirt. He waited in silence for Saul to respond, either with a word or with the swing of his sword. When Saul watched David bow, something changed in his heart. The fog that had filled his mind for so long began to clear. Like the sun breaking away the morning clouds, clarity of thought was restored to him. It was as if scales were peeling away from Saul's eyes, and he could see the truth of what God was truly doing. For a brief moment, Saul was able to see clearly. He saw before him not an enemy, but a faithful son and a devoted servant of God. He looked down at the humility of David. It was a humility he never had, but God desired. Tears began to stream down Saul's face, and his shoulders began to tremble. He dropped his sword, and the dam of his soul burst open violently. For the first time in months, Saul was no longer blind to what God was doing. Is that you, my son? David. David looked up. Saul's dark and callous gaze was replaced with vulnerability and weakness. The king fell to his knees and wept with his face in his hands. You are a more righteous man than I, David, for you have rewarded all my evil with good. You have shown this day why God has chosen you to be king over me. As the words came out of Saul's mouth, David knew that the Lord had indeed called him to be king. Whatever comes will come, David said. However, at this present moment, you are my king. I will not harm you. Saul stood to his feet and wiped his eyes. It is clear that Israel shall be yours. This is all I ask, that you will not cut off my descendants after me. Please, do not destroy the name of my father. A quiet resolve came over David. Now that Saul had acknowledged David's calling, he felt the freedom to truly carry himself like a king. You have my word, David said. Saul stepped forward to David. Return with me to the palace, David. Return to my daughter and to your men. We may find a way to have peace. 
However, David took a step back, not allowing Saul to move any further. He truly believed Saul meant what he said. However, he had seen Saul's mind shift and move like the tide in a storm. He did not trust him. I will remain here, my king. If called upon to fight for the safety of my country, I will respond. However, I believe there is work to be done between you and the Lord before I return. Saul looked disappointed. I see, he said. Then I shall be going. The two nodded at one another. David bowed his head and sent the king on his way. Saul made his way out of the forest, and David retreated back into the caves. His men were waiting for him eagerly. What did the king say? Joshua be masked. He offered for me to return with him to the palace and live in peace, David said plainly. Is that good news? Benaiah asked. Perhaps, David replied. However, there is still much for the king to wrestle with. I fear his contempt for me may return. We must be on guard. The men agreed and fortified the stronghold. David walked with his head held higher. He knew deep down that he was now being groomed by the Lord to be a king. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. We almost got to see the end of King Saul. David was so close. What kept him from following through with it? Was it cowardice, weakness? Did he chicken out at the last minute? We know enough about David by now to know he is no coward or weakling. David is the bravest man alive, and that is precisely why he spared Saul's life. Much had to be taken place before David and Saul could meet each other again face to face, and it all began with a visit from an old friend. In this episode, the dynamic duo of David and Jonathan makes another appearance. Jonathan comes at the perfect time, first to warn the giant slayers of his father's plans, second to encourage his soul and give him strength. The way Jonathan refreshes David in this episode brings a smile to my face. We all need people like Jonathan in our lives, don't we? We need people to remind us of who we are, especially when life is uncertain and unsteady. 
The young prince reminded our hero that his identity was secured in the heavens despite whatever circumstances took place. Friends like Jonathan secure our minds when life knocks us off balance. We need Jonathans in our lives to anchor us in our callings. In our trials, we may stray with the rising and falling tide. Friends, real friends, keep our souls tied to who we really are. Jonathan leaves and David is empowered and not a moment too soon. Saul is on the move and bloodthirsty. The army of outcasts is forced once again to pick up and leave. The king nearly captures him, but luckily they are able to evade him. The perspective shifts back and forth between David and Saul, and we're given more looks into the fragile psyche of the first king of Israel. He is consumed with irrational rage against David, but he is also filled with self-loathing and guilt. Here's a small glimpse into his inner dialogue from the episode. He fell deeper and deeper into his own self-loathing. He hated himself for what he had become, yet he could not help his paranoia. It gripped him like a beast to the throat of its prey. At night he would lay awake, wrestling with the voices of doubt swirling around his mind. He was a tormented soul, and he could feel his mind slipping into oblivion. Paranoia and rage are dragging Saul into a pit of despair, and he is helpless to help himself. If you don't feel a little bit sad for Saul, then you are attuned to the heart of the biblical authors. We are supposed to pity Saul at least a bit. This episode is a reminder that not every villain is worthy of our disdain. Stories about knights fighting dragons sit better with us because the enemies aren't human. We don't ever feel sorry for the dragon that's slain or the troll that's killed, but we do feel bad for the descending sanity of Saul. He is not a dragon to be slain. He's a man, a king, a tortured soul that was once filled with the passion of God. Not everybody understands this, but David does. Saul is vulnerable and ripe for the taking. David's closest companions earnestly beg him to end his life, and by doing so, end their misery. David stands over sleeping Saul with the blade in his hand. Instead of taking his life, he takes a piece of his cloak. Why couldn't David do it? Saul had caused so much pain and suffering, so why not end all of the heartache? Wouldn't the entire nation be better off if Saul were dead and David were king? Perhaps, but there was something greater at work in this story. Like many stories in Scripture, the real important events are taking place within the character. David was staring at the man who was supposed to be like him. Saul was supposed to be the warrior king and hero of Israel. Saul was supposed to lead his men with passion and worship his God with righteousness. But Saul let small compromises of his convictions tally up and eventually found himself enslaved to his pride and self-indulgence. This scene with David so close shows us that the veil between us and our enemies is paper thin. David is only a few choices away from becoming like Saul. So in a way, Killing Saul would be like killing his own virtue. David retreats silently back into the cave and brings the torn piece of fabric back to his companions. They are understandably upset that David refused to kill him. If we were in their positions, we might think that the giant slayer had a moment of weakness here. Perhaps he lost his nerve or didn't have the courage to swipe the blade. We know enough about David now to know it is not cowardice that drives him. 
David is the most fierce and capable warrior in all of Israel, and perhaps the world. He is courageous, bold, fearless in the face of danger. So it is not weakness that compels him, but meekness. Meekness is different from weakness. Those who are weak are incapable of harming anyone, so they can't claim moral virtue when they refuse to fight. They can't fight, so their decision not to fight isn't noble, it's self-preservation. However, those who can fight, or perhaps are the best at fighting like David, prove their strength when they put their blades away. David knows that it would be easier to fight and win, but instead chooses the more difficult path of peace. Meekness is having the capacity to do harm, but instead doing good. David releases Saul, but does not let him get away with ignorance. He needs to know that David spared his life. The two meet face to face for the first time since his exile, and David reminds Saul that he could have harmed him, but chose not to. The shepherd makes a case to the king, imploring him to see the error of his ways. I have done nothing to warrant your hatred, yet you hunt me like an animal. David says the very fact that David could have killed Saul in his sleep, but chose not to, is proof that he is not the enemy. All of Saul's hatred for David was a product of delusion and paranoia. This leads us to an important point to be taken from Saul's sad story. Contempt comes from within. The hatred we often experience toward others comes from within our own hearts. First, we feel hatred in our hearts. Then we look for someone to hate. That is the order, not the other way around. This leads us to the final scene and call back to our prelude. The mercy David showed Saul was enough to momentarily melt his pride and sober his mind. Like scales pulling away from his eyes, Saul sees David clearly. He recognizes him as king and bows to him. Mercy opens up our eyes. That is what happened to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. When he experienced the mercy of Jesus, his blind eyes were finally open. This happens to Saul, and like the sun's rays shining through a few storm clouds, he has a moment of clarity. Mercy can do wonderful things to a man. Unfortunately for David, Saul's moment of clarity is short-lived. David is noble enough to forgive Saul, but not dumb enough to trust him. He knows that Saul can change back at any moment. So he remains in the wilderness. He promises to always be a deliverer for Israel. When they need him, he will come. They will need him. The hero of God will rise up to defend his flock, and Saul will eventually meet his end. In our next episode, David carries himself with a newfound confidence and meets an interesting woman. He carries himself more like a king, and the small shepherd boy we have come to know and love seems to be further in the distance. Is David maturing or is he slipping? These are questions that will be answered in our next episode, Abigail. Thanks again for listening. For more inspiring stories, daily prayers, and wisdom to last a lifetime, go to Pray.com. And to expand your heroes in the Bible journey, download the Heroes of the Faith devotional at TonyEvans.org forward slash heroes. Follow the podcast on Apple or Spotify to get the newest episodes right as they come out and always be inspired by the Bible. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. 
With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.